I'm Dr. Jill Weiner. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, along with some of my own insights and explorations on topic ranging from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice and beyond. In order to provide a nuanced, educational, and honest examination of systemic racism and dominant culture. Hey there, I am excited and a little bit nervous to talk to you about another topic that is very near and dear to me. Um, my own personal journey reconciling my relationship to my own Jewish culture and heritage and my own internalized anti-Semitism and what I've learned along the way. I wrote in a blog post probably about a year ago um, about my own concerns and hesitations about the Israeli-Palestine um, relationship or, or conflict. And I think conflict is, a, is an understatement. Um, and it's something that growing up, I was very much indoctrinated as a white Jewish woman in the United States to be pro-Israel and to almost see Israel and Judaism as one and the same. And I totally bought into it and thought it was um, empowering and exciting. And I went to Israel when I was in high school. I spent a summer there and I really enjoyed myself there, but I, that was the first time I really started to notice that there was what I felt like a bit of an indoctrination going on and some coded language. Um, we were the freedom fighters. They were the terrorists. Um, and I, I just kind of wondered what, what's, what's the other side of this story. And without going into all the details of, of, kind of my upbringing around Israel, I started to recognize particularly last year when, when the most recent Israeli-Palestinian uh, war or conflict was going on, was that I've been afraid to talk about this amongst my own community, amongst my own Jewish community, because it's so indoctrinated <clears throat> that it's almost like a non-starter. You bring it up and it is a total like, conversation ender. And so I realized that I'd been kind of holding in my feelings about this, yet out in the rest of the world, in the rest of my life uh, as an anti-racism educator and as a white woman learning about anti-racism and allyship, recognizing that my job is to speak up and to use my privilege in a way that can perhaps affect change um, and support the great work that has already been done by, by people of color. And I just had this realization, I have, I have to speak up. Me not speaking up is, is equivalent to me not speaking up about racism. Um, Cause in, in my opinion, and, and I've done quite a bit more reading and learning and, and studying since I wrote, put my blog post out last year and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested in reading it. But I, I really do strongly feel that the the way that the Israeli government is treating, has historically and continues to treat Palestinians is apartheid. And it is a human rights violation. Um, Palestinians are taken from their homes. Their homes are, are destroyed. They're prevented from 
moving freely up through the country. Um, they're kept isolated from each other. There's so many things. I've, I've not only reading articles, but also speaking with people who are Palestinian or who have family members or you know are, are married to Palestinian people or have family members who are Palestinian. Hearing what life is like on the ground, I am quite convinced that that apartheid is the appropriate word for it. And and if you're Jewish and listening to this and you're you're bristling, that's cool. I I understand why you would be, but that's my that's my feeling. And I had found myself over since since I was in Israel in high school, almost distancing myself from my Jewish heritage. I found myself recoiling a bit when I would see um, visibly religious Jewish people walking on the street. And of course, as anyone from any marginalized identity knows, when someone on the news like Harvey Weinstein or Anthony Weiner um, would, would get called out or, you know, arrested or whatever for doing something horrible, it's, it's this cringy, oh God, you're making us all look bad. So and then I got into meditation in 2011 and I really started to feel like, oh, this is my spiritual community because I never really felt a spiritual connection with Judaism. And as I started to dismantle my own connection to my meditation community and, and some of the issues that are fraught in that space that I've, that I've talked about before in, in blog posts and um, maybe we'll do a, 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 podcast, a podcast episode on as well, I started to, as I got more and more into anti-racism work and really dismantling the, the impact of white supremacy culture on me as I, and I also seeing how, how it impacts the rest of the world. I've had a few kind of key seminal experiences that have really helped me reconnect. And the first was my podcast interview with Ruby Sales. Um, this was over over a year and a half ago, um, we had a conversation. Uh, she's this incredible civil rights activist, just brilliant. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode, I'll link to that as well. And we somehow started talking about my Judaism. She was said, why do you claim being white? And I said, well, cause I am. And she said, you're not white. You're Jewish of Eastern European heritage. Your people didn't own slaves your people didn't you know destroy the land here and and I that is true and also I was just trying to reconcile this but I still have white privilege and I've still lived in this world as a as a woman with white skin and people looking at me don't know that I'm Jewish necessarily although I have dark curly hair and you know might look Jewish to some people but I don't have like any of the stereotypical necessarily facial features so I could always hide it. And I did hide it because I honestly started to realize I, I hide it all the time because I was afraid of what people would say. And I didn't want people to make assumptions about me because of my religion. I didn't want people to make assumptions about my political views or my views about Israel or anything else. I just, there was always a reaction when I would tell people like, and I could just sort of sense, even if it wasn't outward. And, and I didn't experience a ton of anti-Semitism in my life either. So I had this conversation with Ruby Sales and basically had this religious awakening, spiritual awakening on the podcast episode. And then we, we ended up talking quite a bit after uh, I stopped hitting as end of the recording. But this, this notion of like my people are resilient and connecting with 
my ancestors in that way and, and everything the Jewish people have been through, all the oppression they have faced for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but continued to persevere and connecting with that aspect of it. And so that was really incredible. And then I started to realize that there's actually a lot of Jewish people who feel the same way I do about Israel and Palestine and who, who see Israel as the aggressor, as the bad guy, um, while well-intending, well and I understand all the reasons for it, for the formation of Israel and, and why it means so much to people. I, I really do feel like um, it's settler colonialism and it's, it's white supremacism. Um, and so I, I started to connect with other communities that felt the same way I did within Judaism. And that felt to me like almost, almost unable for me to even imagine that I'd be able to connect to my religion in a way that was so deep and so intense uh, and so meaningful for me. Um, so that kind of has, this journey had sort of started as I'm doing my own anti-racism work and teaching about anti-racism and recognizing I have to speak up. I have to come into spaces with all of my identities. I can't continue to hide my Jewishness or my Judaism as part of my identity and, and come in as a whole person and come in as my whole self. And also I have the privilege of being able to hide it. And I don't want to hide it. I don't, I don't want to have to I don't want to have to keep that from people. And if they have issues with it, then they have issues with it. And it just felt like the, the right thing for me in terms of, of my anti-racism journey and my ability to, to be an ally, living, living my truth, I guess, living my values. And then I took a course called Awakening to Whiteness, Jewish, Just, Jewish Justice Circle Awakening to Whiteness uh, with Amelia May Paradise and Franny Silverman, and it was a course designed specifically for white, white um, identifying Jewish people to, to really dig into whiteness and anti-Semitism and how they interact. And um, that was also extremely powerful. And I learned so much from that. I'll share the link to their website as well in the show notes. And not only was I connecting to other Jewish people who were who, who felt the same way I did, but I was really learning so much about what, what I have now learned is internalized anti-Semitism, which is the way that I have internalized societal anti-Semitism and how it shows up in my life. That recoiling that I've done when I see visibly Jewish people or that, oh God, they're making us look bad. That's all internalized anti-Semitism. And I see it in my family members as well and, and the way that we are in the world. And I see it in... I see also a trauma response, which is kind of when, when trauma is experienced as a result of one's identity, there's a few different things that can happen, but one of them is, ident is, is almost becoming the aggressor, becoming the, the person who excludes other people or who harms other people. And so I could see evidence of that trauma in Israel. I could see evidence of that trauma in other, other people I know within my religion or organizations that I know that I don't agree with, um, but that's evidence of trauma. And there's a whole lot of other really powerful ways that anti-Semitism can be in internalized. And a lot of that overlaps with the way that white supremacy culture is internalized um, and, and really experienced 
Now, white supremacy culture, for, for anyone listening who doesn't know this, white supremacy culture is not this is not synonymous with white power rallies and the KKK and Confederate flags. White supremacy culture is the entire culture of our country, of our society that prioritizes and values whiteness and deprioritizes and devalues and oppresses and marginalizes blackness, indigenous people, any, anything that's not white, any person that's not white. And so there ends up being this, this trade-off in order to get closer to whiteness, you have to, you or your culture or your group have to give up certain aspects of yourself, trade in certain aspects of yourself in order to attain whiteness. So that happens a lot in with Jewish people that can happen with um, other people of color who aren't black and, and people who are black as well. And I can't speak to that experience specifically, but there's always this sense of like trying and trying and trying, trying to achieve the white Christian heteronormative power or, or normal or per, sense of perfection, but never really being able to achieve it. But, you know, the things that we've traded off, what have I traded off? I was, I went to a Christian school growing up. And I think that for me, that a Christian school that did not hire Jewish teachers until I was a senior in high school, it was a great education, but it was a trade-off for sure. A trade-off of, of what me and my family really believe and um, wanting to have straight hair and um, not, not talking about my culture, not talking about my religion because I didn't want to be seen as other. So, and, and if you're listening and you have an, if you're Jewish or you have another marginalized identity, you may, you may relate with what I'm talking about. And I think for me, one of the things that has been the hardest is, and the most eye-opening is there's, there's kind of two things going on. So in white supremacy culture where whiteness is valued, Jewish people have privilege. White, white Jewish people have privilege. Now there are Jews of color. There are Sephardic Jews. There are Mizrahi Jews who, are, who come from the Middle East, who come from Northern Africa, who come from Spain, who are not all white appearing the way one might think of a typical American Jewish person. And as I mentioned, there's Jews of color. All those people are kind of excluded from the narrative or from the national idea of what Jewishness is or who Jewish people are. And I didn't really know much about them growing up. Um, and so A, knowing that they are facing marginalization from the Jewish community and perhaps from their own racial identities for being Jewish, because there's a lot of anti-Semitism throughout the world. Um, so they're being marginalized twice or more than that. Um, so white Jewish Americans benefit from white privilege. In, in as part of white supremacy culture. That's like 100% true. Whether or not they have experienced anti-Semitism, whether or not they've been oppressed for or marginalized for their Jewish identity, if you're a white passing Jewish person in the United States, you have white privilege. And so what always would bother me is once I learned that and understood that, I always felt very wanting to separate myself from Jewish people who felt, hey, I'm Jewish, therefore I understand, therefore I'm not racist, therefore I don't have anything to learn. I'm the marginalized one, I'm the oppressed one. Those people are anti-Semitic. 
I don't need to change anything about myself because I am Jewish and I have my, my, you know, my people have been marginalized. So yes, we have been marginalized. And yes, there have been atrocities committed against Jewish people. There's still horrible things happening in our country now. <clears throat> and anti-Blackness is real. Anti-Blackness is a much more intense lived experience in the United States. And it's possible to hold space for both. And in fact, it's imperative that we hold space for both and not try to compare them or equivocate them because it's not a competition. But it got to the point for me that I was afraid to bring in my own Jewish identity because I didn't even feel like I deserved that attention. I felt like I wanted to make sure that I'm, I'm learning about anti-Blackness and, and trying to unlearn and relearn um, what society has taught me about my own whiteness and about anti-Blackness. So it's important to hold the Jewish identity or whatever your identity is, but it's also important to hold space for other identities who have had it much, much worse in our country. And so there's that. And then what I didn't quite understand is that white nationalism, which is kind of on the fringes of white supremacy culture. So white supremacy culture, if you think about that as the fabric of our, of our society, the KKK and white power rallies and white nationalism and Confederate flag, people who still wanna honor the Confederate flag, that, those are the fringes. Now the fringes are getting more and more into the center of the fabric for sure. Um, but white nationalism was uh, formed or created as a, and this is all new news to me. Uh, I learned it in my Awakening to Whiteness Jewish, Just, Jewish Justice Circle course that white nationalism formed as a reaction to the civil rights movement because these people, these white people had said, wow, like we've been saying all these bad things about black people, but now they've gotten all these laws changed and all they have these equal privileges. How do we, how do we justify that? How do we, how do we rationalize that to ourselves? I know we'll blame the Jewish people. And it was literally, a, a, they, they borrowed from a doctrine written in Russia, I think in the 19, early 1900s, blaming Jewish people for all of the issues with race. So now, well, so this is kind of a complicated concept, but the whole premise of white nationalism is first, is blaming the Jews first, being anti-Jewish and using that as an excuse to then be racist, to be anti-Black. So it's both, but you can't have white nationalism without the anti-Semitism, and that's kind of at the forefront of it. And this is very much alive and well in the United States, and it's gaining more and more and more and more momentum and membership and, and pulling more people in. So the way that Jewish people and Black people are marginalized and seen in our country is a very different. So people of color in this country tend to be by by white by whiteness or you know anyone anyone who's indoctrinated by whiteness, which is I would say for sure me. Um, I am part of this culture and this society. It's black people and 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 Latinx people and other people of color are seen as less than whiteness. 
not as smart, not as motivated, not as whatever, whatever the, the nasty stereotype is. But Jewish people are given this different, this different position in society, which is almost this like hyper, hyper educated, hyper powerful race of um of people who are trying to take over the world. So there's this, there's this trope that Jewish people are in controlling the banking and the entertainment industry and the media and all this stuff. That's a trope. That's not real. And a reason a lot of those stereotypes started is because Jewish people were only allowed to be in certain jobs, such as banking. Um, <clears throat> so that's why they kind of, I guess, became known in that industry. But Jewish people are used as the scapegoat to take the to take the blame off of the white nationalists, to take the blame off the people who are anti-black, who are white supremacists. And it's a really convenient scapegoat because anti-Semitism is very pervasive. And it's used to basically keep, now it hasn't succeeded. There have been a lot of wonderful um, partnerships and, and um, a lot of progress made with black people and Jewish people and you know other people of color working together. But this anti-Semitism is used to scapegoat Jewish people to kind of give everyone someone to blame so that we don't bind, bind, uh, come together and, and create change and, and, and progress and dismantle white supremacy and white nationalism. And Jewish people have a stake in it because they have privilege in white supremacy culture, yet they're like the public enemy number one in white nationalism. So it's it's a difficult situation to navigate if you aren't familiar as a Jewish person with the way all those different identities intersect and the way that you benefit from one system, but also are being oppressed um, in another. And what we'll often see is a lot of anti-blackness in Jewish spaces. No one, no one's gonna admit it. <laughs> People aren't gonna admit to it, but there's a lot of anti-blackness in Jewish spaces that, and there's a lot of anti-Semitism and anti-racist spaces or, or in black spaces. And I've spoken, a lot of my black colleagues and friends have shared that they've been indoctrinated in it as well. And it is not with everyone and I'm not making generalizations about every single black person, but there is a lot of anti-Semitism in anti-racism spaces. Um, so there's both. And what can tend to happen, what I've seen happen is a Jewish person says, oh, that black person or that organization is anti-Semitic because maybe they support Palestine or maybe they do have, which I don't see as anti-Semitic, by the way, I see that as anti-oppression. Um, or maybe they are a little anti-Semitic because that's the culture they've been raised in. And, and, and I'm just understanding it and I'm Jewish and I'm 44. So if I'm just, if I, you know, if I'm just learning about this, then, then there's a ton of people in this world who aren't learning about the way that anti-Semitism is used as a, as a kind of pawn or scapegoat. So Jewish people are saying, oh, those, those people doing that anti-racist work in that organization, they're anti-Semitic, I don't wanna work with them not necessarily recognizing that there's a lot of anti-blackness within them that's ugly to recognize and, and, and hard, hard, hard to let yourself recognize. And so sometimes the conversation stops. And then possibly on the other side, I, I, I haven't been on the other side, but possibly on the other side, black people are saying those Jewish people are racist 
or that Jewish person or organization is racist, I, I may not want to work with them because I don't feel like I can trust them. Like they are, they are uh, fighting for the same cause as me. So it's very fascinating. Um, there is an article that I'm going to link to here um, written by a Black man who infiltrated white nationalism um, and learned that it is primarily first step is anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish. And what he concludes is we cannot dismantle one without the other. We cannot get rid of racism without dismantling anti-Semitism and vice versa. They're intimately tied together. And he said, you know, no, I, I, Jewish people are great. They're fine. He's like, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me and for my people. <clears throat> but we all need to do this together. And if we can recognize that the white nationalist powers that be that are have infiltrated our government that have so much pow more power than I even realized, if we let them give us our ideas, if we, if we believe what they're telling us about other groups who are not our own, if we internalize what they're saying about our own groups, then we're pawns. Then we're playing into their hands and we're doing exactly what they want us to do. I'm in a anti-racism course right now and um, an anti-Semitic trope came up in one of the sessions. And I very hesitantly spoke up about it because I didn't wanna take away from what we're talking about in this course, which is anti-Blackness. But I did speak up because I do feel like it's important for us to bring that into spaces and it's important to, to anti-racism spaces. It's important for all of our identities we, to be allowed to be exactly who we are without trying to change who we are or trying to change other people and valuing our differences and lifting them up and celebrating them. So it was really hard because it felt like I was harmed a little bit in this anti-racism group that's with black people and white people. <clears throat> And I'm aware that whiteness and white people have caused a lot of harm. And I'm totally okay with learning about that. And I understand and I process that, that guilt and that shame and, and whatever else comes along with that and work to dismantle it. But this felt different. But this doesn't mean I'm going to stop engaging in the work because one person said something that had an anti-Semitic trope in it, because that's not the point. The point is to be imperfect, to be humans, to learn about each other, to have relationships across difference and to work together to try to dismantle this system of oppression that we are all affected by. So if you're a Jewish person listening to this, I encourage you to keep an open mind and, and, you, and you don't agree with what I've said about Israel-Palestine, I just encourage you to, to do some reading or reach out to me and I will, I will share some, some articles with you. I'll put uh, links to some in the show notes. And if you are, and, and to really strongly consider your place in uh, white privilege, your, pr your privilege role within white supremacy culture, but also holding space for the way that anti-Semitism continues very much is, is, is actively happening in the United States. And that's another part of internalized anti-Semitism for me. I was kind of like 
a little bit of a denier. I was like, no, it's not that big a deal. It's not that bad. It's nothing compared to whatever's happening now, anti-blackness and not now always, but it's, it's, you know, it's nothing compared to the other things that are happening, but it is a big deal and it is happening and it is a hate crime and it is, it is anti-Jewish, uh, crimes and, and events holding space for both. Yes. Anti-Semitism and yes, anti-blackness and where, and where does privilege play into it in the meantime? If you're a person of color listening to this or a Jewish person who was, I'm sorry, a white person who's not Jewish, think about your own anti-Semitism. What are your own, what have you been taught to believe about Jewish people and who's taught you that and, and where do you get your information from? And is it possible that they're not true? And is it possible also that some of the behavior you're seeing is a result of internalized anti-Semitism or a result of, of trauma? I mean, they're, they're overlapped the trauma and the internalized anti-Semitism. So really take some time to, to dive into this, have conversations. If you don't know Jewish people, get to know them and, and do the work within yourself to see where is, where has white supremacy culture gotten me? What has white supremacy culture taught me that I am better than someone else, that other people are, um, that I, that I want to get closer, that I'm trying to, that I'm trading in aspects of myself in order to get more acceptance or more privilege and ask yourself also who's being left out of the narrative. Jews of color are being left out of the narrative. Mizrahi Jews, often Sephardic Jews are left out of the narrative. Indigenous people often left out of the narrative, although um, not always, but that's part of white supremacy culture is to erase the experience of indigenous people. So I hope you found this helpful, thought provoking. Um, and I'd love to hear from you uh, if you learned anything from this or have any thoughts. And I hope you enjoy the resources that I include also at the end. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conscious Anti-Racism. Please be sure to follow or like us wherever you find your podcasts and also consider leaving a rating or review. You can follow Conscious Anti-Racism on Instagram and Twitter at Jill Wiener, MD, J-I-L-L-W-E-N-E-R-M-D. And please check out our Conscious Anti-Racism book on Amazon.